0: Hello, thank you for listening to episode 9 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave, and my guest today is a man who I really admire for a lot of reasons, and uh, believe me when I say he's got some absolutely fantastic stories for you all to listen to. Um, I don't need to say anything else apart from that, you're just all in for an absolute treat. So please uh, sit back, get comfortable, and get ready as I spend uh, a little over 60 Minutes With Mike Kunda. Right, Mike, I've got to say, first of all, I've been so looking forward to tonight and having a chat with you. I've been really, really excited. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, David. It's really great talking about... uh anything Stallone-related. It's, uh, it's a great common denominator between us fans.
0: Oh, yeah, it sure is. And I guess you've been busy um, recently, because, of course, Sly's been in and around Philadelphia filming for Creed. Uh, oh, I... my God, has he ever? <laughs> Please, I mean, let, let's kick off with that. Tell us whatever you can about that.
1: Yeah, he's like a, a whirling Tasmanian dervish all over the city. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, reported sly stallone sightings on every street corner and the only thing about that is philadelphia is filled with italians so (laughs) you go i'm getting reports from friends of mine who who are are in philadelphia and they'll go to a said corner where he is and it's you know there's no one there and he's got people chasing him all over the city (laughs) and of course you know with social networking and twitter and facebook i mean People are going to see him instantly. So people aren't always as observant as they think they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that being said, he is. He, he has been in um, Port Richmond, Philadelphia, uh, up in the uh, northeast section, where a lot of Rocky 1, 2, uh, 5, and Balboa were filmed. But they're using new locations, uh, which is kind of – uh, they're going to a lot of boxing gyms. Uh, And they're doing actual on-site filming, which has been very, very interesting.
0: That's good. And you've been putting some superb photographs up. I noticed um, one of the latest one was Adrian's is back open again.
1: Oh, my goodness. Is it ever? You know, uh, back in, when was it? Early uh, January or February 2006, when they were filming Balboa, a very odd thing happened. Uh, I drove to Philadelphia with no... Uh, knowledge of anyone uh, that had owned the Victor Cafe where they filmed it and uh, long story short I'm standing on the corner it's like you know midnight or so and I feel a tug at my elbow and they say to me oh you must be the stand in and I say excuse me (laughs) and it was this raven haired woman uh who said stallone you you got to be stallone standing you're looking an awful lot like him so we had a good laugh and uh she said you belong inside and i said oh well sadly i don't know anybody in there and she goes well my husband and i own it uh, my name is alexa de Stefano." and i was like oh my god excuse me so i go from act from being myself now i start taking on all the stallone mannerisms <laughs> I start doing the eye, th- all these things that Stallone does, you know. And then she starts freaking out. She's like, oh, my God. She goes – so she gets me in. She sneaks me in. <laughs> like, it's insane. So now I get to watch them for, like, three days back then, film it. So uh, she called me, and she said, you know, uh, they're going to be here. And uh, she sent me some photos. Just yesterday, she sent me, like, four or five photos. Uh, they put the Leroy Neiman painting from the Endoraki three back up. And I think – they're going to be using a different side of the restaurant, one that we haven't seen before. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Oh, it really is. There's such an electric buzz right now going, uh, going around, uh, especially around the victors, because you know we saw in Balboa that really the victors was sort of the heart. It was Adrian. This this is where Adrian's specter, her ghost, uh, kind of. It's where Rocky obviously spent his time to, to bring in money, but he also felt very close to Adrian here because it's what she always wanted. So, uh, you know, a lot of us never thought we'd see this again. We never thought we'd see Rocky Balboa in the, the hat, in the coat again in the restaurant, but lo and behold, there it is.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, because you made a good point there. I mean, the restaurant is like what the pet shop was. It's it, Very much so. It, it's, you know, it's the heart of it all, isn't it? And again- it, it really is. Going back to some great photographs that you put up when you went up to the graveyard too, um and spoilers ahead, listeners, you might hear something about the Creed movie that maybe you, you don't wanna hear, but that, um it was where you you were stood next to where there were two headstones. Not two. one not one, there were two. There was Adrian's, obviously, and
1: Right Oh and Paulie's by all yeah. accounts, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's right. The old police in that big meat house in the sky. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I was giving a tour. I I give. I don't know if you know this, David, but I give um, Rocky tours, Rocky mm. film tours um, to people. They come from all over the planet, and we go to all the filming sites. Well, the, uh, the cemetery, it's the Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia. That's one of our last stops before we go to the Museum of Art steps, and... They had been filming there the day before, so uh, we missed the loan by literally about 16 hours. But what they did, they have two spots, just as you said, for the uh, the first headstone, which is Adrian's, which is, it's where it's always been, and then right next to it, they have a little smaller spot dug for uh, Paulie. So. Uh, the headstones themselves were in a storage facility on the grounds, uh, but the gentleman, the two guys from Scotland that I had with me on the tour, we were all like blown away because they were bringing the headstones back in a few days to continue filming. They just wanted to make sure nothing happened to them, uh, you know, uh, bef- before they finished their their uh, film. Mm, sure. So uh, we were quite uh, taken and impressed, and the three of us just stood there. Uh, like 11-year-old boys just staring at these little rectangular six-inch deep uh, <laughs> slots where the tombstones would would uh, they would stay, you know, and uh, it was remarkable. And then we knew, I, like there had been rumors that Paulie was going to die, maybe they were saying that Rocky's son was going to die, but Stallone had let something slip in an interview about six months ago that, Uh, rocky jr had moved on with his life he's doing his own thing and that everyone rocky knows is gone and that came from stallone's lips so when we saw the second headstone and someone else online had mentioned that they were pretty sure paulie is gone it makes perfect sense because paulie should have been dead a long time ago yeah
0: i mean that is that is a good point i mean Obviously, people are upset about it. There's so much over all different forums. But like you said, rightly so, Paulie would have died a long, long time ago, way before now.
1: Oh, my God, I, to- totally. I mean, it, the horrible life that he lived, his negativity, all those factors uh, would just sort of eat a person alive, which we saw in Balboa. We, we saw the guilt he had over treating Adrian so bad and that he says he's the one that should have died. Mm. Uh, and, you know... Uh, we kind of, this is life. I mean, like you just mentioned a great point. There are so many forums out there, and a lot of people are very upset. Now, there's two that I, I subscribe to that I, I am religious with visiting, uh, The Stallone Zone and uh, TotalRocky.com. These are the two greatest Sylvester Stallone slash Rocky websites I think any fan uh, could could visit, and, and it's a mixed reaction there. It, it really is. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at this in one way. It's a bit of a cash cow that they don't understand why Rocky's doing it again. And my personal take, I've been convinced now. I wasn't too happy at first about it. But I don't know if you remember, uh, right after Expendables 2, uh, Stallone's son had died. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I cannot imagine. I, I don't have children, so I don't know what he went through, but I do have nieces and nephews, and I know what I would feel like if they died before I did. So imagine riding that wave, that massive crest. He's had two great franchises, Rocky, Rambo, and then The Expendables. And he's riding this unbelievable high. And all of a sudden, he's been told his son is dead. I can't imagine. So I think he's been carrying that beast around inside him. And I think uh, this new creed is going to be a way for him to exercise that and move on.
0: Yeah, I think it will. It's it's definitely going to be. Well, from the sounds of it, very gritty film, you know it
1: really does. I've been, I've been, uh, you know, I'll keep the spoilers to myself, but I've been (laughs) finding out more and more uh, from my contacts around Philadelphia, and I've seen some uh, some footage that's been leaked out. And I'll tell you, it's 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 got legs. It really does. I I think this is going to be, you know, and we we have to remember, David, it's Creed one, not Rocky seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. What about you then, Mike? Tell, tell the listeners about you a little bit, about yourself and where you grew up. And then, obviously, how you got to be a Slice the Loan fan as
1: well. <laughs> that's, a, that's an odd story. <laughs> um, there's lots of tears, a schoolyard bullies, and costumes.
0: Oh, I'm intrigued already <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll tell
1: you, I grew up in a, a, a mid-sized, northeast Pennsylvania town called Scranton. And uh, it's very reminiscent of Philadelphia, uh, very much so. And uh, when I was a boy, I, I had problems in the schoolyard, like most kids do, with schoolyard bullies. So I wasn't much of a fighter. I was scared of my own shadow. And I remember one particular Halloween. Uh, my parents bought me one of those old fashioned Superman costumes, the good kind, the kind that were material, not like that vinyl y stuff that they have today. Oh,
0: yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. like
1: that stuff today catches fire like on a blink of an eye. <laughs> and this is like this is like heavy, like shirt cloth material. So I would wear this Superman costume at like nine years old underneath my clothes to school, and I thought because Superman was a great influence on me as a kid, as it was many kids, uh, I thought if I wore this Superman costume, I would find the inner strength to ward off the bullies in the schoolyard. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Only, (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) See, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) There was, um, let's see, what name can I give this guy? Let's see, I'll call him Larry Dickman. That's a (laughs) good name. Larry Dickman uh, had issues of his own. And one day, Larry walked over to me, and he just kind of pulled real hard at the coat and shirt, ripped it off, and underneath, unfurls the red cape down to my knee. I mean, it was embarrassing, schoolyard children. I mean, try living that down for the next 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, that, that wasn't easy. So the beatings would commence and uh, I would carry it around like a dead horse dragging it around. You know, people could just see the fear I would have. So, you know, the teacher's note comes home explaining what happened to my coat and whatnot. Now you got to remember, this is the late seventies. So, you know, this today, it would be a different situation, a whole different scenario. But back then, here's your, here's your coat kid. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow's a new day. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I remember my mother telling me, don't do, you know, hit them back. Don't back down. No matter if you get, you know, bounced out of school for three days, don't worry about it. So, uh, fast forward now to 1979, uh, and I'm 11 years old and I see Rocky on television for the first time. And when those big white letters came across the screen, it just captivated me. I, I, that big Bill Conti score, uh, it, I was like uh, Frankenstein, live wires to the electrodes on my neck. I was never, ever the same. And the next morning, I remember talking to my mother and father at breakfast about it, and everything fascinated me. The gray sweats, the, the uh, grease pencil on the back, Italian stallion, the raw eggs, everything. And my father thought that maybe I would learn something from the the boxing, the fighting. I would would draw some strength from that. So uh, several bully beatings later, um, my grandfather got wind of things. And he called me up to his attic. And it was at night. And there was a light bulb hanging. And I go up the stairs. And he's standing at the closet. And he's got a cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth. And he says, Mikey, come on over. He goes, I got something I want you to try on. So he pulls down a hat box and he pulls out this black fedora, very reminiscent of Rocky's. Mm-hmm. And he goes, here, try this on. So I'm not really in Rocky mode. I'm not thinking about that. So I try it on. I was like, well, it's nice, Grandpa. Uh, I don't really wear hats. And he goes, try this on. And it was his old black leather jacket that was very reminiscent of Rocky's. And I'm, of course, swimming in it. My grandfather had big shoulders, you know, and I'm like this kid. So he pulls a sheet off of an old oak mirror, a standing oak mirror that he had to the side. And I look at it and I said, my God, that's it. You're, you're Rocky Balboa. <laughs> and I wore that hat and coat with me uh, to school in between class. And I might as well have hung a sign around my neck that said unaware fool (laughs) i was a bigger target for bullies than ever (laughs) so you know um you do at some point uh develop a sense of how to throw some fists to a degree and my mother was right you know you you throw a few punches and they back up after a while they not not that you're going to win and not that you're going to beat them but that you know when you're an easy mark you're an easy mark, but when they got to earn your milk money or earn your lunch, well, you know, bullies don't like to earn things. They like to take things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with that. Totally.
1: Yeah. And that's, that was the Genesis. That's really where that all came from. And then I, I just grew with it. I, I, uh, you know, I would look for uh, similar gray sweats and I rode on the back Italian stallion and I would get the Chuck Taylors and the, the black beanie cap I would wear. And before school, I would run through the streets of Str- uh, Scranton at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. i swallow the raw eggs. And, you know, people would look at me and I was just this like frail little 13-year-old kid running six miles before school in the morning. <laughs> and it, it was a very, very bizarre uh, situation and my father he he would watch me from the second floor window as i would jog down down the street you know he would say jesus this kid is going to end up in insane asylum or <laughs> you know he's going to be some type of an actor or something i don't know but they always gave me room to fly with the imagination and so you know that went for quite some time um until i grew up around 26 <laughs> and uh you know at that point i I had to say, okay, well, you know, I, I'm dating someone very special now. I, would, the, My wife now was my girlfriend at the time. And I said, okay, let's put that away. I was in corporate America for a very long time. I had done very well. Um, I made my way. I, I won a national look-alike contest in 2006 in Philadelphia. I beat out like 500 people uh, for a rocky look-alike. And at the time, I was probably 10 pounds overweight. My hair was a little too short. But it all somehow worked. And I was doing, uh, I was asked to do a March of Dimes uh, charity uh, for premature babies. Uh, Just show up, come out and talk with people dressed as Rocky. And I did and no one paid attention to me. And I thought, well, okay, no big deal. Maybe I can at least help carry tables and set them up. So long story short, a gentleman comes over to me. His name is Jeff and he runs one of the event groups in Philadelphia and he said, they're looking for a new Rocky and I didn't know what he meant. And he said, well, give me your, your business card. I didn't have a business card. I didn't have an agent, a manager. I had nothing. And he goes, here's my card. Give it to your agent. Tell him to call me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So my wife who understood far better than I did, she put it all (laughs) together rather quickly what was happening. So I got a friend of mine who was actually in the business, uh, Chris Wiseman and he became my manager and looked out for me and on a handshake, we uh, we sealed the deal and we started getting gigs. And next thing you know, it's nearly 10 years later, and uh, I can't tell you how many hundreds of gigs I've had and how many uh, people I've met I don't know hundreds of thousands. And it's been an absolute blessing, David. Absolute blessing. It must be so, like so
0: fulfilling to be able to do something like that. It,
1: yeah, fulfilling, I yeah, times a million. Um, it's incredibly humbling uh to, to say the least because everyone knows you're not the guy they know mm-hmm. you're you're trying to kind of carry the mantle or or keep that rocky uh spirit alive which i, I believe in so deeply so you know i never really thought i looked like rocky uh, i never really thought i sounded like him but something happens when you're in philadelphia If you're about the same height as Stallone, if you have similar features, you curl your lower right (laughs) lip and you drop your voice a little bit, you know, and you've got the black hat, the black leather jacket on, the fingerless gloves, you bounce a ball, you say a few lines and now you affect his mannerisms. Well, excuse me, but you might have something. It all kind of comes together. So that's what I do.
0: You do, and you? you hit it right on the head, because I've seen, obviously I've seen lots of photographs of you, I've seen yeah. vid- videos of you online. And just from that, you can tell that you know the the heart and the passion that you've got for this. And you do, you do carry the spirit of Rocky in you, and you can even you can even see it in the faces of the people that you know you're taking around all these different places. It's it's so good. It's uh, I was watching again the other day. It's one of my favourite clips of you when you're there, and you're showing the people and you're shouting for Father Carmine. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just love that.
1: No just... Father Carmine, you old Father Carmine. No. <laughs> i tell you, it, it's so true. You know, I here's what, I still get razzed from some people. They're like, you know, Mike, you're 47 years old and you're a Rocky impersonator. Come on, when are you going to hang up the gloves, okay? When are you going to get a real job? I said, listen, I know I'm not curing cancer here, okay? I get that. Um, but if you could just see these people, they don't know me, and they come from all over the planet everywhere uh they come from rome and greece and germany scotland ireland uh uh, england i mean everywhere and they do it because they saw something in a movie they saw a man uh portray a third-rate broken down (laughs) boxer you know who kind of was a 15-year-old in a 30-year-old man's body. Uh, and so they need to see these sites because the streets they saw in the movie, for whatever reason, moved them. Mm-hmm. It became the foundation, the building blocks of you know, how they deal with adversity. Now, I'm not saying that they go as deep into it as I do, but they have such an appreciation to save up money Get hotels, get plane tickets, you know, take time off of their jobs. I mean, I had one guy, his name is Richard, and he's a, a plumber, uh, and I think he's from, I want to say Scotland or, or, or Ireland. And he's going to kill me. I can't remember exactly where he's from, but he, he's a plumber, and he was taking a break one day, and he was just going through YouTube. He saw some of my stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, I got to do this." But he didn't have a lot of money. So for one year, he didn't buy any birthday gifts, no Christmas gifts. He and his son, they, they saved up their money. And they come over. And he had such problems getting through customs and whatnot. And he told me all about it. And my, my heart was just breaking for him. But here's the goodness of this man. He also has a side business where he releases doves at weddings and parades and special events for people. Now, can you imagine that? Here's a guy. He's built like a a, a brick shit house. This guy, big, big, broad shoulders, bald headed guy, just the nicest, funniest guy I met in a long time. And he takes these beautiful little delicate doves. He carries them and he re- they release them on their these beautiful days. And I thought, man, what a what a opposite! You know, you would not picture a guy like that to do something like you would picture him to be a plumber. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, these are the type of stories that I get to share, and, I, and it inspires me mass amounts. It it really does. And rightly so. I mean, you said you know just then about
0: people ripping on you for doing this, but you do, I mean you do affect people's lives in a positive way. And uh, I know listeners uh, to this that may listen to the Eighties picture House will already know uh, this. I'm fifty this summer, and what I want to do is I want to go to America and I want to spend my 50th, I want to be on my 50th birthday, have the Rocky tour with you, I want to be running at those Rocky steps, but one thing I've never done, well, I want to put this into context, and you were saying, you know, how how special these days are, and it's because um, two weeks before my 30th birthday, my dad and my granddad passed away, so obviously I didn't have a 30th birthday, you know, that was that, was that yeah. one. sure. My 40th birthday, I'd just come out of hospital and nearly died. So I, wow. I didn't have a 40th birthday. So my 50th birthday, I'm damn determined to make it the best one I'm ever going to have. So I thought, well, what can I do? What can I do? What passions have I got? I thought, oh, I couldn't think of anything better than... I. I want to be in Philadelphia I want to run up those rocky steps and then of course you know a few years ago I saw I saw you through um Stallone actually Oh and, yeah uh, okay sure and then the the tour that you were doing uh, and you've got your website that you can you, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute too and I thought yeah, sure. That's it I've I've got to get in touch with Mike I've got to be there on the 25th of July this year and run up those rocky steps so it you know it, it means a lot to a lot of people you know you're doing damn good work there Mike
1: Thank you, David. You know, I wasn't blessed with many skills in my life. Uh, you know, people that love me hate when I say that. You know, my wife hates when I I do that. But it, I, I'm a big fan of self-deprecation. It gets me out of a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> but, but it's it's true. I really wasn't given. Uh, any type of a great gift to of wisdom or, or talent for writing or or singing or sports or anything, but I developed this unbelievable passion for this character, this Rocky. And, you know, a lot of people think it's Sylvester Stallone that I had on a pedestal. And although uh, I, you know, respect the hell out of the man and admire him, you know, the man is human. he is he falls to the same fears and faults and and uh, quirks that we all have. but it was always rocky I had on on a pedestal. I always thought rocky is the best of things in all of us that we could be that we could achieve to be if only we just tried uh, that that is my single if I had one mantra to go by if I could if I could create a coffee mug just. Try because you're gonna fail, you know, and you should welcome failure. I failed, I was just telling somebody the other day, I must have had twenty-five jobs inside of a 10-year period. I got fired from most of them. I failed miserably, but I kept going. I didn't go and collect, you know, some uh welfare and never do anything with myself and just kind of lay there. I picked myself up. I said, Okay, I that didn't work, what's next? And I just when I see that in people, Rocky, you know, brings that out. And uh, how do you not? How do you not put a character like that on a pedestal today, David? Who today can we character-wise can we put on? And I'm not talking about military or teachers or mm. doctors or nurses. I'm not because those are given. We should always really admire these men and women. Yeah. I'm talking like in in our context in like the movie world. Okay.
0: I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, as we're talking now uh, over here in the UK, Fifty Shades of Grey opened and it's had like some ridiculous <laughs> box office amount taken. You know, come on.
1: I know. I know. It's it's crazy here, too. You know, they're, they're saying the same thing and it's just like, OK, Fifty Shades of Grey, I get it. OK, there's I guess there's a place for it. I mean, look at how the book's sold. So, I, you know i i don't know i i guess there's a place for everything I, you know i mean although i don't know how good our society is for it is it better is it worse i don't know that's it but yeah like seeing with characters
0: there is there's nobody and that seems to be a theme throughout the majority of Sly's films as well he plays a character who's going against the odds and doesn't give up you know and he keeps giving that message to people all the time uh,
1: absolutely and you know uh that had to come from someplace and and I believe Stallone's early years were just filled with uh, a lot of anger and failure and I think you know Stallone says it best you know when he was unemployed uh, in 75 I think it was he said he went to see uh, Chuck Wepner fight Muhammad Ali and I don't know I mean, are you familiar with uh, Chuck Wepner yes yeah Yes, of course, of course you are. Um, those who aren't familiar, you know, he's uh, the uh, the Bayonne bleeder uh, who was picked uh, to fight Muhammad Ali for the title, and he wasn't given uh, he wasn't given a shot. I mean, he wasn't given much opportunity or, or a chance to win. Uh, they figured by the third round he would have been knocked out, but uh, two things happened. Chuck trained harder than he had ever trained in his life, and Ali. Kind of took it easy. He, 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 he took it for granted. So um, when those two forces come together, uh, it, it just it worked in Chuck's favor. And on that fifteenth round, Chuck was still standing. And Stallone looked at that, saying, "Wow, what a metaphor for life," you know. And he went home and he wrote Rocky. Now, you know, I know uh, Chuck Wetmore and Sylvester Stallone have had their differences. There, there have been some issues there, but I can tell you, I have become fortunate enough. To become extremely close friends with Chuck Webner, and uh, I've been interviewing him the last six months. I've been writing a, a book, my second book uh, on Chuck Webner, and I can tell you, Chuck has that same mentality uh, of perseverance and not staying down when life does knock you down. You know, you get up and you keep going, and that is something I wish our young society today would grab more hold to, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's encapsulated, isn't it, in the speech in Rocky Balboa? You know, oh, it, yeah. it ain't how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit, keep moving forward. It's, it's all about that. Whereas it seems to be um, the majority of the generation now, it's, they don't even want to be hit. They just want to avoid being hit and just keep moving forward with no obstacles whatsoever. <laughs> it's totally oh, different.
1: David, so you, you nailed it. I mean, I see it all the time. You know, today, you know, try to tell a young adult today, anybody can throw a punch anybody but can you take a punch mm-hmm. when you are hit you know you're going to know what you're made of whether you're physically hit in an altercation whether you're in uh, some type of a uh an area maybe your job or life throws you a curveball someone passes away that you love unexpectedly how do you handle this and keep moving forward and again you know there is a reason Uh, these things work. You know, Stallone is a very brilliant and gifted storyteller. And uh, I, uh, the the guy, I love the guy. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Oh yeah. And you've met him, of course. Yeah. Yeah. A whole bunch of times. They were really weird things. I'd meet him at a planet Hollywood or at a um, uh, Atlantic city casino, or, you know, you turn a corner and there he is walking down the street. You know, one day I met him. I was, uh, it was on my birthday. My, family did a surprise birthday party at, at the original location, uh, Planet Hollywood in New York, is on uh, 57th Street, and uh, we were waiting for a table to open up, and this is when Stallone was doing Copland, and he uh, I'm watching the, the TVs there, they're showing the best of Stallone's movie footage. And my family says, Mike, turn around. I go, wait, wait a minute. I'm watching Stallone on the TV. No, you need to turn around <laughs> now, Mike. And I'm like, guys, please. So my mother grabs my head and she snaps it to the left. And here coming towards me is a very, very 40-pound overweight Sylvester Stallone <laughs> with that jet black hair and a Hawaiian shirt on to hide the weight gain uh, for uh, Sheriff uh, Freddie Happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just amazing. So, you know, I was frozen. I was a a drooling meat bag. I did (laughs) did nothing. And my father, my wife, everyone, they're pushing me. Say, so tell them today is your birthday. So just, you know, more drool came out. And he's looking at me. He's walking right past me, 12 inches from my face. And it's like, come on, kid. You're going to (laughs) say something. I'm here. Say it. Well, okay, I gotta go. I got things I gotta do. And he gets to the door and I go, Yo, Sly, you're the best. And he takes his glasses off and he goes, Hey, thanks. And my father, who swears he'd never get taken by any of this, he says, Oh, they put their pants down one leg at a time, jumps over the ropes, through the doors, runs up to his limo and starts yelling, Sly, my kid is his birthday, it's his birthday, it's his favorite. And it's just he gets in the car and leaves. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. And, you know, it's a, there's, so there's a series of things like that, book signings I, I, we had very lovely talks with. And then, of course, uh, during Balboa, I spent a great deal of time on the set with him and his brother Frank. Uh, and Sly signed some art that I had, I had painted of him from Rocky 1. It's a black and white painting that I'm very, very proud of. And uh, it's it, it, it was quite amazing. I mean, the guy was very, very down to earth. At least for me, he was. It was a, it was an amazing experience.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, you're going to get stories of people everywhere. I mean, because everybody's got the internet now. Everybody's got the the stories that they tell. He, you know, a guy like this, as with everybody, you can't be a hundred percent all the time and expect to, you know, to welcome everybody. You're going to catch people on bad days like you do everywhere. Absolutely. But it seems to be on the whole, he's, you know, he's a nice guy and is appreciative of his fans. I think. From, again, this is just all hearsay, but it's. I think maybe the the eighties was when his ego was at the biggest, and he might not have had the amount of time now. But I think one of the things you know, as you get older, you sort of appreciate things more. And he does. He seems like a
1: you know a really genuine guy. Yeah, that was my takeaway, and he that's he has said that himself. You know, his ego raged out of control in the eighties, and uh, I mean, you know, who of us are ever going to know that like what that's like? And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you're not going to, I mean, I know myself, I'm a really nice guy. I really get along with everybody, but there are days I am just miserable. (laughs) I just, I don't have it to be on. I'm just, I just want to be left alone. I want to be, I don't want to wash my hair. I don't want to brush my teeth. Let me just stare at a spot on the wall, but here he makes commitments. So maybe he wakes up one day like that. And everybody, they want a piece of Rocky. They want a piece of Sylvester Stallone. And he just wants to go get it done and come back. I mean, I understand.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, number one on my bucket list, which has been for ages, is I, I want him to autograph my Rambo tattoo, and then I can have it all, the, tattooed over. That's uh,
1: oh, do you have a Rambo tattoo? I do.
0: Yeah. It's 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 been my goal in life for a few years now, and I. am I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving forward. Nothing's going to stop me until I get him to autograph this Rambo tattoo.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. You know, one of the guys over on the Stallone zone, uh, his his name over there is Raven on the boards. Oh, I yes. love this guy. He's he's one of the moderators, and you probably know who he is. Uh, he just uh, he just got two on both forearms. He's got the the Rambo, the first blood knife, and then he's got the Rambo three knife on the other one. It looks amazing, <laughs> you, right? I was... it's, it's amazing. I showed my wife, and I'm not even a tattoo guy. Like I don't have any tattoos, but my wife was like, "Oh my god, how <laughs> mental do these people get?" I said, "No, no, no, you don't understand. You know, this is a form of art, a form of expression." Yes. I said, "This is amazing, and it's it's just like you know, uh, it's the amazing thing about today is that um, you see it everywhere." That's it. I
0: mean, I was lucky enough to meet him, uh, Raven, as well last January. I went down. To... Oh, at the uh,
1: at the the show, the yeah, Stallone show there.
0: Yeah, down in London, the, uh, an evening with Sly. Yeah, um, a load of. Is not Raven a great guy? Oh, he is so. You know, you meet people on online in forums, and you sort of get a mental picture of what they're going to be like. Uh, right. And he he was just how I pictured him. He was so so friendly. What a great guy! Um, but it was a great night. Even before the show, like a load of us from the Stallone zone met up. Uh, in a bar in London before it started. Did Tony
1: go? Tony Maltabano? Yes, yeah. Was he there? I loved it was, Tony. <laughs> it I said, really Tony, good. Funny, i got to tell you a funny thing about Tony. He actually was really my first Rocky tour. Like, not even – he had come to America, I think, for a bodybuilding show. He wasn't competing, but he had friends in it or something. So – he was in New York and I happened to be in Philadelphia. Uh, my niece was going to school there. So we were there visiting. And so uh, we went down cause I live outside of Philadelphia. So Tony took a bus down. I met him at the station and then uh, we drove him around to all the Rocky sites. So we're up in Fishtown and that's uh, Kensington, Northeast Philadelphia where they filmed Rocky's apartment, the pet shop, the gym. And I'd never been in Rocky's apartment before 1818 Tusculum street. So Tony has like a big set of balls on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> he really does. Like, I would never have gone up to the door because I'm much more reserved when it comes to that. So he knocks on the door. We start talking to the owner. The owner invites us in. We're in like Rocky's apartment. And, and like Tony, every we got it all on film. And Tony turns to the camera, and he's like, wow, you know? <laughs> and so Tony really inspired me to do this. And uh, so that's when I took it, and I just kept going to the next level with it. So I really owe Tony a massive thank you. Uh, love you, Tony, if you're listening. You know it, brother. I uh, I miss you. I hope to see you soon.
0: Oh, it's a good community over there as well. It so really is. It is yeah.
1: good. Uh, did the
0: owners then of, of 1818, did they realize where they were living before
1: oh, this okay. or not? Oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't realize what they were in for, though. <laughs> uh, they, the uh, the husband was a very nice, very gracious guy, very inviting. Come on in, walk around, need to use the bathroom, uh, want a coffee? He's that type of guy. Um, the wife, she was nice but guarded, and she was like, okay, you people can go now. But the guy, was he was really charged, and he was telling us stories how – People stop by and make all different offers. Like there was a limo pulled up one time and these, I don't know if they were Chinese or Japanese, but they get out and they asked for $1,500. Could they sit in his TV room and watch Rocky? That's brilliant. $2,000 for the front door. $1,500 for the screen door that he puts his arm around when he's on the date with Adrian. You know, I mean, just asinine things. You know, and then you get the bad side of it. You get drunks, three o'clock in the morning, smashing beer bottles. Oh, come on out, Rock. You ain't so tough.
0: Oh, yeah. Like,
1: really? Are you kidding me? Because that section of town, uh, Kensington, is like the murder capital of Philadelphia. Like, it's a very, very uh, bad area to go. So, you know, that's why I usually like going on Sunday mornings when <laughs> the riffraff is still in bed, you know, so we're in and out before they get up.
0: That's good forward thinking, doing it that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many different places do you go to on the tour? Let's let's have a little chat about your tour.
1: Well, I tell you, the tour is is uh, it, it's really fantastic. You know, it's um, the Yo Philly Rocky film tour. You can Google it. It's it's uh, starting to get some traction. Uh, the thing I like about this, there's probably about seventy five locations, filming locations. Now, we don't necessarily hit all of them. What I usually do is I have via uh, through email, Facebook, whatever. I have in-depth conversations and I get a feel for what you want to see. Mm-hmm. In other words, are you a Rocky Two fan? Are you a Rocky One, Rocky Five? Whatever it is, I try to tailor the amounts that mm-hmm. those locations, some of them overlap, so that's good. And then what we have time at the end for, then we fit in. Um, there are some standards that we always hit. We always hit... Uh, the Rocky steps, we, I try my best to always hit the Victor cafe because I am such good friends with them there. What they, I do is I give them like a little heads up and uh, the owner would usually come over, open up for me. Uh, when there's no one there, we have the run of the place. I show them down in the kitchen where Rocky hung his hat, talked to spider Rico. I take them around. I show them the trophy room and so on. Uh, then the owner tells them a little bit about what it was like working with Stallone. And uh, we go to the Italian market. And uh, we hit a lot of the sites like the, where Rocky <laughs> bought the tiger jacket in the window. <laughs> so we'll go there. We'll take a look, take pictures. And some of it we, we drive through many of the locations. Uh, some locations we park and get out at, like Mickey's Gym and the Pet Shop. We, uh, we get out, we take a lot of pictures there, and I tell them a lot of history that I knew, a lot of really rare facts, things Sylvester Stallone had uh, told me um, that I kind of pass on to people. So it's it's really interesting. And the whole time, I kind of have a, my black fedora and the, the coat on, and I kind of get in that whole Rocky mode. So it's like, you know, if Rocky was alive today, if he was real, you know, what would he look like? taking you on a tour of his old haunts you know what i mean yeah and it's a lot of fun and it invariably you know being dressed the way that i do it attracts other people so if we're at the steps or we're, we're in center city and we're walking around you know people usually come over and it becomes a bit of a freak show so <laughs> usually the people on my clients love it they they just snap pictures and they're they're telling their friends you're not going to believe it we got this whacked out guy who thinks he's rocky and he's taking us to all these places and he's making us laugh and we have a lot of fun and the tour is usually three to four hours depending on uh, depending on traffic you know uh and if we have a lot of time we squeeze in as many sites as we can.
0: And all the details are on the website, of course.
1: Absolutely. You can look it up. It's all right there. You can find everything uh, in great detail. A lot of pictures from a lot of my clients, happy tour goers. I have a link for my book, Cue the Rocky Music. And, you know, I'm only 47. And when I wrote it, you know, it was in uh in two thousand and. In eight, I started writing it. And you might say, well, geez, you know, you're not really anybody famous. You know, what are you doing writing a memoir? And I thought, it's not a, it's a memoir in the sense, it's not every aspect of my life. It's just everything that per, kind of revolves around Rocky and how it led me to being a, a Rocky impersonator. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I was in high school, my biggest fear was finding a job. I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself in my senior year. All of my friends were all they knew college or trade school or whatever. I wanted to be Rocky, but that was ridiculous. That didn't exist. There's no way I could be Rocky or was there. So it's about <laughs> it's about sticking to your goals. And if I could if I could sum up my book, it would really be about practice and opportunity. In other words, we all have opportunity come our way many, many times. And we don't always, you know, uh, realize an opportunity when it happens. But when you do, what have you practiced? What have you worked on? What have you developed? Because when practice and opportunity collide, that is my definition of luck. Yeah. And, and I think that is where a lot of it comes from uh, success for a lot of us, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's the best definition of luck that I've ever heard, Mike, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, you know, so we got that going on and there was uh, a filmmaker out of Detroit. His name is Jim Toscano. He is working on a documentary. A film crew's been following me around for three years uh, with my tours and gigs and uh, you name it. And uh, we're, we're finalizing uh, a documentary on that that we hope to sell to Netflix. Tentatively, it's called the distance, and we got a lot of people. We got like Larry Holmes. We have got Chuck Wepner, uh going to be involved with it, and uh, we've got some of the actors from uh, the Rocky movies that have uh, talked about me and the tours. And uh, it's it's really exciting stuff. Uh, and of course, my my book with Chuck Wepner, um Bleeding for Bayonne. Chuck Webner's I can take a punch. So you know, I'm in the middle of writing that. I have the first draft down. I still got a way to go. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting right now. My gigs and tours are just busier than ever. Uh, I, I just, I, I wish I could clone myself, I just don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, you know what I mean when you get so busy, it's like, you really got to get good at time management. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a book. If anybody has, you know, can, can give me a good heads up on a book that really can uh, help me with time management skills. I would appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Is there any sort of tentative release date then for this documentary and your second book? Or is that well, s- still yeah. all up in the air?
1: Uh, it's up in the air, but it's coming down. <laughs> uh, uh, we, originally, we were going to release the, the thing last year in, in the, the documentary. But the problem that, that the director is having is so many monumental things are happening in my life uh, as far as just bizarre circumstances. So like uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday, I leave for Philadelphia and I'm going to be on the Balboa set for three and a half days uh, watching them film. And it's going to be my first real chance. I hope to get, you know, 12 seconds of FaceTime with Stallone to talk to him about my book. Now, I'm not so naive to think he would read it. He's already gotten a copy of it. He's already, because Frank, his brother Frank, has corresponded with me, and and Frank has put out some beautiful tweets, complimentary of my work of imitating Rocky and how good I am and how I'm the best Rocky impersonator he's ever (laughs) seen, and he's seen them all. So I thought that, and that was, you know, he did that all on his own. I didn't ask him to do that. So I just want Sly to know that writing that book was the most poetic way I could think of thanking him for all of the inspiration he'd given me. So maybe with Creed, I think the director and I just spoke the other day, I think he'd like to try to have this documentary released around the time Creed is released, maybe by Thanksgiving, to build on the buzz. There's going to be a lot of Rocky buzz.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And uh, Chuck Wepner, um, uh, his movie, they just went forward. Uh, in about a month and a half, they're going to start filming The Bleeder. Uh, Lee Shriver, who play, is going to play Chuck Webner. he played uh, um, in the, the, uh, the superhero movie, uh, the guy with the claws. Um, I'm not big on the, the Avengers, I think it is. With Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine. He yeah. plays Wolverine's brother. He was uh, uh, Cotton Weary, I think, in the uh, the Scream movies. And he's Ray Donovan now, most recently on Homebox. And he's going to play Chuck in the movie. So uh, I'm really excited to talk to those guys, interview them, and get their ch- uh, take on Chuck. And uh, I hope by the end of the year, I have, uh, have some type of a, a book ready to go. That'll be good. You know, the book and
0: the documentary. Hopefully, hopefully the documentary is not just U.S. Netflix. You know, we can get it over here in the
1: U.K. as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because I, I think that, the, you know, the international appeal of Rocky is so grand. I mean, you, you got Rambo and Cobra and The Expendables and Over the Top and all of the incredible movies that Sylvester Stallone has done. You know, there's such a great following. On a certain level, it could be argued Stallone is like Godzilla here. And <laughs> on another level overseas, he's like a god. Like you know, I I don't know. I I love the guy, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a, a faithful follower to the end.
0: Oh yeah, you and me both, Mike. Definitely, uh, here, we yeah. will. And you uh, mentioned, you mentioned Frank as well. I mean, Frank's such a great guy. We were lucky enough to have him as a guest on H's Picture House and spend you know a wonderful hour and a bit with him. And he's, <coughs> he's just you know he's always got so many great stories to tell. As well as
1: Frank, Frank is. Frank is something else. I'll tell you, when I was on the set in in 06 in the restaurant, I had such a wonderful conversation with Frank. But you know, the thing was, I didn't want to hit Frank over the head with Sylvester, Sylvester, Sylvester. Hmm. I wanted to genuinely know about Frank Stallone. I, I talked to him about his childhood, what it was like growing up, his bands, Valentine, what it was like for him musically today and you know inevitably we do go down the rocky road i mean my god we're on a rocky set you know and his (laughs) brother walked right back of us as we're talking you know it's hard to you know get from out from underneath that shadow but frank does a wonderful job i mean i think he's in japan right now he's doing big concerts in japan uh uh, he just he's been tweeting out pictures and i'm so happy for him and uh frank has been so gracious to me i uh I cannot say enough good things about uh, the Stolones. I love them.
0: <laughs> yes, and we made a point of when we chatted to him of um we didn't ask him anything about Sly, which you know, we wanted it to be about it's him. Smart moves. Yeah. And it was good and we got lots of stories about him. And of course, you know, he brought Sly up and he did, you know, a couple of great impressions of his brother too. <laughs> but, you know, it's it it must it it must be at times he must get frustrated because people all they want to do is talk about Sly you know because he's his brother but you know let's get it right I mean Frank's a damn talented guy in his own right
1: oh hell yeah i mean could you imagine David I, all the people i talk to and, and i have i i meet thousands of people throughout the year uh and the one thing i walk away with everybody wants to be seen they want to be heard mm-hmm. so you take a guy like frank stallone now he has, you know, by his own admittance, a sizable ego. But he also has an excellent talent. He's a great singer. And he he's an artist. He wants to be heard and taken seriously. And when you're, you know, relegated to uh, Rocky's little brother, that can hurt. I mean, I, I have a younger brother and I couldn't imagine, you know, what that would be like to be referred to as you know, his, his, his brother, and we, you know, I'm my own person. I have my own thing. So I, uh, I understood Frank. I really did more than I think other people do at times.
0: Yeah. He, he does get some unnecessary, <coughs> unnecessary flack from a lot of people, which is a shame. Yeah. Yes. Now listen, Mike, I've got to ask you this. Yeah. What in the hell is going on with the people at the top in Philadelphia with all this absolute rubbish with them wanting to change the rocky steps what what's please for listeners that may not be aware if you'd like to fill them in on the full story of of what of what happened yeah
1: yeah here's here's the deal i'm getting a rash at hives just talking about it. <laughs> this you know i am of the belief art should never be changed or altered it was made and designed with a purpose from an initial vision now the for those everyone knows the Rocky Steps, the Museum of Art Steps. There is a very small, very minute group of people, and by small I mean like six or seven people in uh, excuse me in Philadelphia, who who are on the board of directors of the, uh, the the art art board there, and they are doing a massive renovation inside and underneath the Museum of Art. So that's going to happen regardless. They actually. Where the steps are, underneath the steps, they are going to build these galleries. They're going to just move tons and tons of earth. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But what they want to do, they want to take like a 50-foot section right in the middle of the steps. They want to remove the steps and insert a window to look out onto the view of the city. Now, a few things are wrong with this. One, there's a massive statue of George Washington, Uh, You would be facing the ass end of his horse is what you would see. (laughs) That is the very first thing at Eakins Oval across the street from the Museum of Art. Now, you're going to be a little bit lower, so you don't get the best view of the city. I say, why not walk around to the front? Let's not be so lazy. Let's get out and see the entire view, uh, a a full 180, literally. Why are we destroying these steps? The building, it's like the building, the Museum of Art, if, if you, if anyone's not been there, please Google it and look at the images, the artwork, the columns, the bricks. It is so amazingly beautiful. Well, they want to alter this. Now, they have a uh, an uh, architect, Frank Geary, and he did a lot. He's in his 80s. And he did supposedly some wonderful art in Europe. I saw it, and I don't think it's all that wonderful. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think it looks like trash, but that's just me. So it turns out, uh, David, I, I just found this out a little while ago. It turns out it wasn't necessarily his idea to change the steps. It was one of the members, just one member on the museum uh, board of uh, art board, and they said, what would it look like if we altered the steps? You see, they never embraced the Rocky ism. The yeah. museum of art has never, ever done this. So I have a lot of friends uh, that run TV stations that are anchors, that are award-winning, um, reporters. I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Vitez. He's a Pulitzer prize winner. He's done a few articles on me and he interviewed me about this. I started, a. I uh, I started a, uh, uh, what's what's it called with the uh, Your the pet- online signature? Yeah, through, uh, the stock. petition. Didn't you? you did Thank petition, you. Yeah. Petition. See, I get <laughs> so nuts over this. I, <laughs> I don't
0: blame you, Mike. I I'm fuming myself, and I'm thousands uh, well, of miles absolutely. away.
1: <laughs> so we we got we got shy of just a thousand uh, uh, people signing up, and he took note of that, and so he interviewed me for it, and he said, "What could the the museum do to bring more people in?" Because Ultimately, they want to do away with the Rocky steps. They want to move from uh, Rocky Central. They want to be referred to as the art museum steps, not the Rocky steps. So I said, okay, well, I don't know why they want to run from something so inspirational and so beautiful because those steps have far surpassed an actor in an old gray suit running them. Yes, People run those steps for very personal reasons. Maybe they've, beat cancer maybe they just got cancer maybe they got divorced maybe they just got married but they 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 run the steps because they saw it in a movie but they're doing it for very personal reasons and i know that because i've talked to thousands of them and they i hear it first person so i said why don't why doesn't the museum of art hire someone who looks like rocky and bring them in now that's not enough you've got to have a reason to bring in Rocky fans. Now, I spend a great deal of my time there, and I'm not kidding you, daily, busloads of people pull up, they run up the Museum of Art steps, they've got their iPods on, and they're, it's the Rocky music, they do their their dance, and they get back on the bus and leave. So the museum is losing business. I said in the article, and the board liked my idea. So just Stallone is a painter, and he does a lot of surreal impressionist work. Now as a fan of Stallone as a rocky fan, I would just love to be to see his artwork. He just had I think last year or year, year and a half ago he just had a huge art display in Russia. I say take one of the, the rooms in the Museum of Art dedicated for one year to Stallone, put his artworks in there, but don't leave it at that. Let's go a little further. Let's go to galleries across the planet. Let's put out our feelers and say, if you have artwork inspired by Rocky, we want to show it here in the gallery. Hmm. Now, I'm not talking like Planet Hollywood or the Smithsonian. I'm not talking Rocky's hat and coat and the punching gloves and the rope. That, I would love to see that, and I do think that would be a draw, but I would want to see significant serious artists having their works of art shown and now you put a big banner up sylvester stallone rocky related art from around the world you bring in people i'm telling you it can't miss and they love the idea so we'll see what happens
0: that's i mean that's the perfect way to do it i just i don't understand how these people can't Wrap their heads around the importance of all of this and why it should stay the same. I mean, the ironic thing, like you said, is they're they're a museum of art, and it's, you know, you put it perfectly. These, it's not just a set of steps of concrete steps. Right. It's it's a piece of art that means so much to
1: so many people. Oh my God! I mean, let let's let me tell you this: Sylvester Stallone and Rocky and uh, uh, John Avildsen, the director of Rocky, they Put that museum on the map for awareness. You tell me how many museums, uh, art museums in America, can you say the name of that the picture instantly pops into your head? Is you you know exactly what it looks like?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, you say the the Philadelphia Art Museum, everyone knows it's the Rocky Steps. You know, it's instant. So, you know, I say, here's another one. Uh, Schomburg, uh, Tom Schomburg, he uh, sculpted the Rocky statue. Now, I was fortunate enough to spend uh, some time with his wife and and their daughter. They took one of my tours, uh, one of my Rocky tours, and it it was one. Of, we actually, I actually interviewed them for my documentary, and they are the most loveliest people in the world. And and her husband is a great sculptor excuse me, but sculpting is art. Statues <laughs> are art. Yeah. So, the Art Commission, they didn't want it at the top of the steps. They had it at the Spectrum for 20 years. Then it went into storage, and now it's at the base of the steps, which is fine. That's, 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 I can live with that. But there's still, people still say in Philadelphia, oh, it's not art. Well, what is it? I mean, my God, just because it was a prop in a movie does not mean it's not art, or am I wrong?
0: No. No, you bank on the money <gasps> there, Mike. And, well, you did you mentioned it all very quickly there now I know the story of this but I'm sure there's loads of listeners that don't because I meet people a lot and inevitably the, you know, the subject of Stallone comes up when we, get, when we get talking about stuff but there's so many people that think the Rocky statue is and always has been at the top of the steps since it was in, yeah. unveiled in Rocky 3 so if you don't mind Mike if you want to elaborate on, on the story of what's happened to the statue for the, the listeners that may not know because it's tragic what happened to that
1: It it really is, and I mean, it's as tragic as what was going to potentially happen with the steps. Oh, and and to finish up, I received official word that they are not going to touch the steps. Um, I I received word from the Museum of Art, the Tourism Bureau, and uh, several friends in the entertainment industry. Uh, They have scrapped the plans. Now, that's not to say that it can't happen in the future, but as it stands right now, the steps will not change. So that's a good thing.
0: That's good news. That's very yeah. good news.
1: So the statue um it was only brought uh what in 82 for the filming of uh Rocky 3. Uh it was there for the better part of a year and then it was moved down to the spectrum. And then I think for Rocky 5 they brought it back out in uh, 89, 88, late eighty eight or eighty nine, he brought it back out uh, when he he's training with Tommy Gunn and he's running the steps. So we see the statue again, and then uh, they put it back at the Spectrum. Then when they tore the Spectrum down, about six months or a year before they tore the Spectrum down, they moved the statue to storage, and then of course we get that great line in Rocky Balboa when Paulie says. Are they mad that they took you they took your statue down and Rocky just says, no, that's okay, you know, he understands. Mm-hmm. Um, then a good friend of Sylvester Stallone's Jimmy Binns, who was a lawyer and he had uh, he had a few scenes in the Rocky movies, he spearheaded two things. He started the uh, Philly Love's Rocky Week, which the culmination was, the, the statue being rededicated to the Museum of Art at the base of the steps. And what they did, they had a vote. And in a thrilling three to two vote, uh, they voted the statue back in. Now, everyone agrees they they wanted it at the top of the steps because you start at the bottom you're es- in essence you're a no you're every nobody mm-hmm. by the time you get to the, the top you figured it out you're somebody you've achieved your goal and there's Rocky to greet you but stallone became a little more philosophical when he realized it wasn't going to go back at the top of the steps he thought you know we all start at the bottom of life and isn't it fitting Rocky starts at the bottom of the steps once again. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, why does that make sense to me? It does. (laughs) So, uh, in true fashion, that's where it was. I think it was September 7th or September 9th. They did the rededication and I had just won the, the uh, lookalike contest the day before. So I'm, I'm in the front row and Stallone's there with the other dignitaries and he's giving this great speech And he starts coming down, he's in the rows, and he's going from row to row. And I realize he's going to come right next to me. Now, Stallone and I had already had like a 20-minute conversation on his uh, 60th birthday at the Victor Cafe. We were standing out front, long story short, we were doing lines. He was doing Rocky, I was doing Rocky, and we had this great talk. And so now it's like a month and a half later, and he sees me. And he shakes my hand. His eyes get really wide. And he goes, hey, it's good to see you again. How you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, good, Sly. But his people, his security, they're like ushering him on. He's got like three billion people he's got to shake hands with. But I turned to my wife, and I got very emotional. I held it together. I was cool. But I was I was like in my head. It was like when the Beatles landed in 63 and the girls were fainting at Shea Stadium in New York. <laughs> You know, but so cool. And I just turned to my wife and I said, "Tell me you got that." And she got the whole thing on video. So I have it like on an eternal loop on my house. <laughs> like when new people come to my house, I just hit play, and there's Stallone saying, "It's good to see me again." So it's like, okay. Oh, um, that's—it's so
0: great. You've got moments like that, though, and the fact that you know you've got it recorded. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And emotion—I mean, that's a great word as well. It's linking it in with the art. I mean, they say you know a sign of a great piece of art is it stirs emotions in you, and you know even though I'll be like you know a fifty-year-old man by the time I get to Philadelphia, I know, and I'd better warn you now, mate, Mike. I know (laughs) I'm going to see those steps. I'm going to see the statue,
1: and I'm going to be in tears. I'll be—you know—it'll just mean so much to me. Listen, they have to whack me up with about six hundred cc's of L-dopa to calm me down. I get so emotional <laughs> when I see. I it's you know the the great thing about these tours that I love, or when I do a Rocky gig for like, I have to meet five hundred people at the steps, and then I have to do my Rocky shtick. We run up the steps together. We all jump around. When you're done and you're, I'm kind of laid back, and I'm just letting people take their pictures. I get to see the steps. For the first time through their eyes, Mm -hmm. you know. In other words, I could never see these rocky locations for the first time again. The first time I saw it, I was out of my mind, and it's one of the things I write about. When I when I did find all of the locations, I write in detail what that was like. And now I get the opportunity to see through another fan who is just as crazy about it as I am. The wow factor, and no one can ever give me a gift that could top that. Although my wife tried earlier. I mentioned, uh, I saw Rocky in 79 for the first time I had never saw, I never saw Rocky in a movie theater and that was one of my bucket list things. So how, how are you going to get Hollywood to re-release Rocky in a movie theater to go see it? So she, uh, she heard that. And what she did last year, she rented out a local movie theater for four hundred of my closest friends, so oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, we had all these people come to the movie theater. We had I got the, the Blu-ray disc, you put it in, and we watched Rocky on the big screen. Here I am, emotional, crying. <laughs> the big white letters are cut. It's like I'm eleven years old. It's like <laughs> I'm in my parents' living room again. I'm back to where the magic happened, and I've got all these people around me that love me and support me, and and especially my immediate family who have just been. It's So amazing. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better family. I mean, you know, my father, see, it all comes from the DNA. My father did this with um, Davy Crockett when he was a kid. He literally became the American frontiersman Davy Crockett, you know, savior of the work. He fought at the Alamo and all these great things. So, you know, it's those crazy things that get passed down from father to son. It is it's
0: true I mean it's the same here it's like my dad brought me up watching Clint Eastwood movies. But, oh but really? Then, yeah really. Yeah you imagine like being you know 9 and 10 and like watching Dirty Harry and it was great. Oh, wow. <laughs> um but then I remember it now I mean my history with Sly it's, I can picture it vividly it's 1978 I'm 13 years old uh, and the school that I was going to had a, an after school film club. And me and a friend joined it and they were showing films like, oh, Picnic at Hanging Rock and, you know, all sorts of good but arty films. Yeah. And, uh, but you never knew what film they were going to show until you got there. And then we got there one evening after school. Music comes up, Rocky scrolls across. And what's this? What is, you know, what is it? Wow. And I sat there transfixed as this 13-year-old kid and it's you know the magic's been there with me ever since and we've been lucky uh i think it was two years ago you said about watching um watching rock i mean we always go obviously to watch stallone films at the cinema sure um but there's a cinema oh, it's about forty oh, forty 40 odd miles away from here now once a month it does a, a retro showing of a film uh and then one one monday night this month they showed rocky three on the big oh. screen that, gotta go and watch this and but it was the old i don't know how old the uh, the print was but it was so grainy and it was out of focus <laughs> but you know what there were so many people in there and we all cheered and we stood up and it was such it was a cinema experience that i haven't had in such a long time it was it was incredible
1: now i have two questions for you first question is did you cry the first time in rocky three when mickey dies i may have got a
0: little bit of dust in my eye <laughs> <That's>... <laughs>
1: <laughs> i broke down i was inconsolable for about six weeks and i saw rocky 3 60 sometimes the summer it came out it was unbelievable that was it because this
0: is there wasn't the, the, the network and the internet like there is now you know before a film's even made you know most of it don't you so you go into that film i didn't know that mickey
1: was going to die i had not No, clue. there were no spoilers that was it. It was like, what the hell? This can't be right. Now, let me ask you this. because And this is something I love because the name of my book again is cue the Rocky music. So to me, like the Rocky music for me is everything and anything by Bill Conti. And I assumed that everyone felt the same way, but you know what? Some people think it's either tiger. Some people think it's Rocky four soundtrack. And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Now, when I hear the Rocky music, I cannot sit still. I have to get up and try <laughs> to bench press the neighbor's Buick. Do you? What do, does it inspire you when you
0: hear the music? Exactly the same, Mike. Exactly how anybody can sit still
1: and listen to that music, I've got no idea. And oh, I'm... you've got to be crazy to sit still. I you mean, can't we have do commercials it. that, that uh, you know, Hollywood they'll they'll use the Rocky theme for a bank commercial or a, a shopping commercial. It, that, forget about it. If it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm getting ready to go to bed and I see this commercial, forget about it. I'm done. I'm <laughs> up. I'm doing things. I'm like, and my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you, know, she, oh, you heard the Rocky music, didn't you? I said, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm sure that anybody that goes to the gym and has an MP3 player while, while they're at the gym, if they don't have the Rocky music on their playlist, there's, well, they're missing something, basically. You have to have that. But with the caveat that, just be careful when it comes on. You could put on too much weight because it does pump you up. So you think you can do far more than you're physically capable. of doing. I know,
1: I know. I'll be like underneath like a dump truck or like a tractor trailer, <laughs> you know? And, and like he died thinking he could bench press it. Uh, he was listening to the Rocky music though. He went out the way he wanted to go. <laughs> That's
0: it. All of a sudden you just, you want to enter like the, the world's strongest man competition purely because you've heard this Rocky music. And you does. think i will yeah.
1: you. And you know what? Uh, again, it inspires everyone. It's like you become like Pavlov's dog when that would you hear the <laughs> bell, you know, you hear the Rocky music, you're instantly trained. You've got to do something of with movement. You just can't sit. Uh, so usually, I take the garbage out or walk the dog or whatever. So <laughs> that's how that goes.
0: That's the best analogy I've ever heard, Mike. <laughs> it is like Pavlov's dog.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, you really, I mean, you just you you really do become hardwired to it and uh it's funny. People people will got to goof on me about it. Like even when we got married, <clears throat> we uh when they announce you for the first time in public, you know, for the first time in public, it's uh Mr and Mrs Kunda and uh, you know the rocky theme played. So it's funny.
0: That's brilliant. Have you got any sort of sly related things um on the bucket list. What which ones have you you want to tick off then? Which are all the ones that you've still got to do? Obviously you well, know, I've got I've said about the tattoo signing and I want to do the rocky steps. One I'm ninety five percent sure will happen this summer. The others will that's just in the lap of the gods at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I would have to say I really I've got a lot of things going on creatively creatively with writing, but I'm having a hard time Because I'm being pulled back to my original book and just talking to Stallone about it. If I can get about a minute and a half of his attention, I can close that chapter of my life and not feel the need to revisit it. Mm -hmm. It's like his brother told me he knew about it. His brother was very aware of his brother. His brother liked the book. Frank uh, uh, read it, he was very complimentary of it. Uh, Dolph Lundgren even. Uh, had a copy of it. Uh, Dolph had actually told a friend of mine uh, that he uh, we gave Dolph the book to give to Stallone. He was having dinner with Stallone the night in in, in two nights. So you know, I, I, I want to know that Stallone got the book and that he at least read the um, the the first page that says why I wrote it. If I can do that, I don't need anything else signed. I, I have a bunch of things that he signed for me. I have several pictures with me and him together. Um right now my big bucket list is I want to be able to continue doing what I'm doing with the rocky tours and the gigs and all my charity work that I do to help out charitable organizations. That really is mm. my goal for the rest of my life you know
0: that's good thats that's a, you know, that's a really good way and I knew you, you do do a lot of charity work as well
1: yeah, I do I I try yeah you know, if you can give back you should give back and uh you know there's nothing like, seeing we do a lot for uh the children's hospital of philadelphia and uh you know if you think you're a hard tough guy you go uh, see these kids with these afflictions and uh diseases and tubes coming out of them and they're such rocky fans and you kind of go around and shake their hands and everyone kind of knows that you're not rocky but you're still bringing the best of it to them and uh man if it don't put a lump in your throat you're just not human
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. Fair play for you to do in that, Mike. That's really that's really good work. And not everybody would do stuff like that, you know. They they probably just want the cream of it and get the attention. Whereas yeah. you know, you it's it's like I said at the start. It all goes back to the start that you you do carry the spirit of Rocky, you know. And it's it's I'm sure listeners listening to this will definitely have got the flavor of it listening to you.
1: Well, thanks to you, David. I mean, I re- I really appreciate the time and uh, your interest. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to you know, hitting the steps with you and uh, <laughs> we'll see who does the best Rocky up at the top.
0: I need to, I'll have to put the Rocky theme on between now and then and getting training just to make sure I, <laughs> I can at least put up some sort of a fight. <laughs>
1: the raw eggs, go back to the raw eggs, oh, don't worry oh. about the cholesterol. Yeah, that's, <laughs> They have medicine for that now. <laughs>
0: well, there's, there's going to be listeners, Mike, across the world listening to this, that obviously their their interest has been piqued beyond belief and will want to come on the tour, and so they should. What's the best way that they can do it? Is it visiting the website? How can people go about the initial yeah. steps of booking the tour with you?
1: Yeah, that's perfect. They can go to uh, the uh, the Yo <laughs> the Yo Philly Rocky Film Tour, uh, which I know you got a link for, so you can you can put that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can track me down on Facebook. Um, there are there are three Mike Kundas on Facebook, so. <laughs> One is my mother and father. They have a Facebook account, (laughs) right? So, And the other is Mike D, middle initial D, Kunda. That was set up by my editor for my book. I don't really use that one, but the one that just says Mike Kunda, that's me. And uh, if you get my mother and father by chance, they'll send you my way. (laughs) Uh, So you can get me Facebook. You can get me on Twitter. You can type in my name on Twitter or uh, I look like Rocky uh, on Twitter. That's my handle um, or YouTube. Just type in Rocky impersonator and you will see (laughs) one uh, mentally irregular guy. You know what I mean? (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm going to make a deal with you now then, Mike. Okay. Yes, sir when let's let's say when not if when i've come across to america and we've done the whole rocky tour how about you come back on the show we have another episode and we tell the listeners everything that we did while we were there
1: you're gonna need two hours for that (laughs) i would love to david are you kidding me this i always love talking to fellow rocky fans uh i mean it just it, if I'm having a bad day, I'll go back and I'll listen to this and I'll think about it. It just renews my faith in in everything. You know how this simple broken down fighter has affected you, me, and and so many others. I mean, it's just uh, it's wonderful.
0: It is, yeah, and long may continue to.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Mike, Thanks. thank you for joining me. It's—I uh, said at the start again—I was excited. You've—you've uh, you've lived up to all my ex- expectations and beyond. So it's been a wonderful evening chatting to you, Mike. It really has.
1: Thank you, David. It's a—you're a hell of an interviewer. I've—I've I've had my share of uh, interviews over the last ten years, and you're very, very good. Uh, very comfortable. Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you oh, felt comfortable. <laughs> all right. What an absolutely superb guest Mike was, and I really can't wait to get him back on the show after I've had the trip to to Philly and run up the rocky steps. Uh, Hopefully I'll have some breath left after running up there uh, to tell you all the stories about what happened, so that'll be definitely one to look forward to. Uh, and of course, all the um, the notes and um, the links for how you can find and follow Mike and everything that he does will be in the podcast notes um, and on the Podbean site. They will also be on the website uh, that the great webmaster, Michael Oaklesby is currently working on and will be online soon. So watch out for that. That will be happening there. Uh, very shortly now, uh, so all the notes will be on there too. Uh, of course you can follow 60 Minutes With uh, on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash 60 Minutes With. That's with a six and a zero. And also on Twitter, which is at 60 Minutes with. Uh, there'll be links as well as stuff um, that Mike mentioned. Of course, with the Stallone Zone. If you're a Sly fan and you've been listening to this, it's essential that you join up at the Stallone Zone. As I talked about, we did. Uh, we all met up before the Sly Stallone uh, talk in London last year, and what a great bunch of people there! Get involved with the forum there. It's all you know, fans of Sly. and It's a really good, a good community that gather there. So once again, a big thank you to Mike, I'm sure you'll agree, you know, as I said in the introduction, fantastic stories is what I promised. Fantastic stories is, you know, is what you've got, really, really good. So. Thank you so much to everybody that's listening Um thank you for the iTunes reviews uh, and I'll be back very soon. I think it's going to be another entertainment show with both myself, um, Chris and Ramrod so watch out for that one and I'll be introducing introducing no I won't I will be announcing even I'm so excited I can't even get my words right I will be announcing some more interview guests um, quite shortly so keep an eye open on all the social media pages. Thank you very much and I'll see you soon. And oh, one more thing before I go. Keep listening after the theme music for a little bit of bonus content.
1: what you're describing in Wales, the little village and picturesque. God, that must be beautiful to be inspired to write. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we
0: open up the bedroom windows in the morning um, and then it's just, it's fields and hills and sheep. And oh, that's all yep. you can see.
1: Yeah, It's good. That, that is the plus side to it. Oh, so, you know, just uh, before, before I let you go, a funny little story, my mother and father and my brother and his wife went to England uh, a few years back. So they went for two weeks. They did all the touring and all the sights. Well, my mother had this thing in her head. She wanted to go in one of the meadows with a big tree and have a picnic and look at the rolling hillside and whatnot. And what she saw was sheep shit everywhere. <laughs> and that was, she never saw any of that in any of the movies or. <laughs> You know, Down Abbey, nothing. There's, you don't see <laughs> sheep shit in the fields.
0: I'll tell you, you what, what? <laughs> whenever we take the dog for a walk, yeah. uh, we did, now and again, you'll make the mistake of letting him off the lead. And uh, now if it's near a field, you can guarantee um, sheep shit to a dog is is, <laughs> is 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 like metal to a magnet. They just run for it and roll in it. It's just, yeah,
1: it's everywhere. It's unbelievable. You know, I mean, when she told me that story, I was laughing so hard. And then she tells me the second part of the story where, you know, going over, she had trouble with uh, Homeland Security. You know, she's very well aware of 9-11 and they took their travel after after 9-11. They they went overseas. She takes scissors and knives in her (laughs) luggage with her. I said, Mom, what are you talking about? You know, and see... I used to be a police officer uh, in my in my hometown for about four and a half years. So, you know, I had all these talks with my my mother, and I you know, we we really get very deep and philosophical and all of this. I said, Ma, what why are you taking silverware and scissors? They have that there. They have that. Well, no, I my mother's left-handed, she's a southpaw. She goes, but I have a very special pair of left-handed scissors. I said, Ma, you're going for two weeks. How much cutting are you gonna do? Let dad cut it for you. <laughs> You know, I'm like, what what, are you, crazy? That's my mother. That's a great story. I have a friend of mine who he does uh, B-level celebrity boxing tournaments. What he'll do, he'll take, like, celebrities from the 60s and 70s, and he'll throw them into, like, boxing matches. Or do you know, uh, do you remember who Rodney King was here in America? Oh, yeah, the promoter, Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he had a match before Rodney King died. He had a match set up with Rodney King and Jose Conseco, a baseball player who uses steroids. So it's, he does things like that. Well, he got into, uh, at the local bars in Philadelphia, something called foxy boxing, where, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exactly what you think it is. It's beautiful women, you know, uh, in bikinis with pillowcases filled with, uh, like, styrofoam hitting each other in the ring, surrounded by drunken assholes. <laughs> And he wanted me to be the ref dressed as Rocky. And he was going to pay me, I don't know, $500 a night or whatever. Well, that's a good chunk of change for like two hours work. So I thought, hmm, do I want to do this? The money's really nice. But, you know, Rocky would never be in that situation. Rocky would never be in a stripper type of thing. You know, he would only do family-oriented things. So I had to turn him down, but he kept coming after me. And I'm like, game and I can't do it and he goes come on you're not Rocky you're just a guy I said I get that I said but when I put the hat and the coat on I represent something far better than myself far better than I could ever be I said so uh plus I don't want Stallone to look at this and say oh my god he's taking Rocky and he's working with strippers and these goofy women so I could never I could never do that so I do have limits I won't I won't cross you know